left, right. Hey, what's up, guys? This is the first part of a two-part episode. It was a long one. We had a guest on, so right now you can hear a little bit about speed limits in New York City, drinking some Russian vodka, um, what's going on with coronavirus, uh, and uh, you know, I think you'll find this one pretty, pretty interesting. But we get into some sexual harassment stuff, and then we bring in a friend of mine, Nicole. That's going to be in part two. So if you're only interested in the sexual harassment stuff or we really delve into it, check out part two. Um, but either way, enjoy. Lead, uh, leave me some feedback. Leave me some comments. I want to know what you think. I want you to participate. That'll give me a uh, reason to keep going. So uh, I appreciate it, guys, and enjoy. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 Welcome to episode 32 of Sip Talk. We have James the Bosnator Boswell here, and you are drinking. I am drinking Wicked Weed. Oh, what's it? Fresh pressed wheat ale. So it's like a juicy wheat ale with a little bit of bitterness to it. Next in the holster is going to be a passion fruit gosa from R&D Brewing out of Raleigh, North Carolina, which is a really good drink. But that's next after this first beer goes. Nice promo you got there. I'm going to hit the Guinness, which is bubbling right up. Um, you got a glass to pour that in? I mean, not a glass to pour. It's going right out of the can. Mm. And uh, that's nice. I've been dying for a beer all day. Last night, I got invited to a Russian birthday party, and I was at a Russian restaurant, so the whole full experience in Russian cuisine, Russian drinks. Um, the Russian beer that we had apparently has different levels. I got a six. There was a seven. I think it goes up to nine. It starts at one. Um, it just reminded me of, like, the BBC, uh, ra you know, radio channels. I don't know exactly how they work. I just know there's a different number. Uh, so I'm guessing that on the one to nine scale, it's what level of alcohol is in the beer or what? I had a six and it was dark and then there was a seven and it was light. So I don't know. I don't know anything about it. It started with a B like Bolinsky or something. So it was Russian beer. It's very good. Um, but as you may know this, the Russians can really drink and the drink of choice is vodka. Yep. So not everybody was drinking. We had... Um, at least three bottles of vodka and everybody had beer and drinks throughout the evening and we had all this crazy Russian food which was based kind of around things that last I guess so there was a lot of cabbage a lot of potatoes there's a dried fish um, no you had me until the dried fish so there was a salty fish there was a you know, potato salad and there was a beet salad um, there's these dumplings, some sour cream. We didn't really have any entrees, but it's just kind of this pass around. And then, and the, this was the best, was cured pork fat. Which some, somebody was like, oh, this is, this is chicken. Um, and uh, no, there was no caviar at all. So, so he was like, oh, this is chicken. And I ate it, and they're like, this is really, this chicken tastes like butter. I'm like, no, it's not chicken. <laughs> it's just pure fat. Um, and apparently you put mustard and some horseradish on it. 
So it was quite the experience, but and a lot of vodka last night. So I fared all right, but today, you know, it's just been a bit of a fog. So I'm happy to have a glass, cure a little bit of the light hangover I had. I have never found that drinking has made any hangover better. <clears throat> You're not doing it the right way. Uh, that's what people have been telling me. And I say, I'm just going to stay in bed and throw up. Oh, that's God, my I cure. Not, I could not stay in bed. Hey, guys, I'm think, uh, thankful you guys are here joining Spanglish. No, I'm sorry. Hello from Argentina. I don't, I don't speak much Spanglish. Not enough. I've had probably five or six of these. What I've found helps, actually, if you can if you can suffer through it, is exercise has been a pretty good cure for hangovers. They're just oh, up in yeah. the metabolism. I, I agree completely. I agree. But it sucks. I, I run a lot in the, in the morning, especially after being hungover. That, that seems to work pretty well. Today, the second day in a row, I woke up this week, and uh, it was cool enough out that I could put on a little shirt and a tie and uh, put some regular clothes on again because it's been hot and muggy and sticky around here. And I haven't been able to, uh, to suit up and it's the end of the day now, so I'm a bit more relaxed. But um, it's nice to look like a normal, normal professional person again. So uh, greasy food is the best hangover cure ever. Yeah, but um, you stick to one spear, you'll have a light hangover. Yeah, that's true. That's generally true. Uh, and coffee. I've had so much coffee. So I... Uh, Saw this article today. I think it came out today, New York Times. I don't subscribe, so I had to sneakily get the article to read it. But they're reducing this. I've been I've been joking about this for months. I don't know if you remember this. I've been joking about reducing the speed limits to ten miles an hour everywhere. Because what? well, one too many. You know, one death is too many. So if we're going to play that game for coronavirus, it's only fair that you play it to something that actually contributes to deaths. Right? You know, a lot of deaths. Yeah, but a nationwide, you, the number of fatalities from traffic accidents accidents is usually between thirty and forty thousand. Um, it's not super high. Well, I'm, I I don't know how many it is, and and traffic is an ongoing issue. Whereas coronavirus supposedly will not be an ongoing issue. You can't be immune from traffic death unless you stay inside. Um, you know, everybody can get hit hit by a car, hit by a bus, especially in New York City. 36, 560 in 2018. 36,000 traffic deaths in 2000, what year? 18. 2018. 36,000 traffic deaths in 2018. Yep. Now, if you're playing this, one death is too many. And how, what, what measures do you have to control when it comes to traffic deaths? Speed limit being the, the, the volume knob of, of, of traffic death control that's that that's the main one and then i guess it would be standards for per, like the way that cars are built yeah well, obviously but that's much more intricate and when i say volume knob i always picture a big receiver with all you know you get the high end the low end travel to the mid-range and the base and you have all these different knobs and i you know i ask people you're looking at a receiver you have all these knobs and, and levers what can you turn or move It'll have the most effect on the listener's experience. And it's always a volume knob. So when I say volume knob, that's what I'm referencing. And when it comes to traffic deaths, your volume knob is speed limit. And I am pushing for a 10 mile an hour speed limit all throughout New York City because I think that's the safest way. You can't have one person die. You can't be serious. Uh, no, of course I'm not serious. I'm just, I'm, 
I'm being an asshole. Oh, okay. And the reason is, is because, you know, we have all these restaurants. So Italian restaurants in New York City are not going to be able to reopen until we have a vaccine. So at a certain point, they're going to close because it's going to be too cold for outdoor seating or whatever the situation is going to be. Or the restaurant won't be able to accommodate outdoor seating when it starts snowing outside. And well, the restaurant's just going to close because they can't afford to pay rent and all their overhead because they're generating no income. Well, that's the point. They're going to close for good. They're going to close the doors, you know, because it, it, they just, they can't they can't operate without operating inside. A ton of places right now can't serve food. They don't have anywhere for outdoor seating, so they're just stuck. They can't open back up. So all they can do is delivery orders, and some restaurants do that better than others. Yeah, and some things you get delivery. And some, you know, pizza, you get delivery for. Uh, but any of the fine dining stuff where you're looking at like two or $300 for a meal, no one's doing delivery for that. The, the, a lot of the, a lot of the experience comes from being in, in that setting and having the service and having the food prepared to you in a certain way with the presentation and all sorts of other stuff. And you just cannot replicate that no matter what you do by delivery. I want to know if you're watching this live, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, what is the most expensive menu item you have ordered for delivery? Um, I've ordered maybe, maybe like a $35. I've ordered steak before. I'm guessing. I don't remember where it was. I just remember ordering a steak for a decent place. And it just, obviously, first of all, if you get something delivered, it has this additional quasi cooking time Yep. because it's in transit in a, in a, in a, some type of vessel to get it to you. So Chilean sea bass, $45. Steak and lobster. Does this compare to the regular restaurant experience? Because I think there's no way in hell you're going to get anything. You're spending $45 for, for an entree for fish. You're, you're basically, um, I mean, it's, it, you're, just co you're cooking it even more. And then, and then it shows up all wet. That's the issue with ordering fried food for delivery. It just, you get this kind of, the condensation in the tray. Yeah, exactly. You get all this extra moisture that's it's it's supposed to be crunchy and hard. It just doesn't work that way. Unless it's a fast delivery and I don't know, I don't order enough delivery to you know, consistently enough to know Yeah, but no delivery is gonna be as fast as the walk from the kitchen to the table. I mean I'm going through tax stuff right now on my personal accounts and looking at what was spent at bars and restaurants last year and you know, pretty commonly we're in the triple figures. Um, whereas if I, if, if I look at my seamless bill, which is what we use in New York city to order food, grub up and seamless. Um, it's, I, I don't think I'd probably ever have an order over a hundred dollars on grub or seamless. So, I mean, that's a lot of food to get for yeah. delivery. I think the most expensive I've done is in like the 35 to 50 range. Um, when I was, earlier this spring dating somebody who really liked Hall's Chop House, which if you haven't been to Charleston, really good start steak restaurant. And so this was during the pandemic and we couldn't go there to eat. And she earned more money than I did. She said, you know what? I don't care. Like, let's split it around. I said, all right, fine. We're dating. So like, um, we did, we did Hall's delivery once or twice. And now their steak was good. All right. Well, we picked it up. They didn't deliver. I, I drove down to Hall's to pick it up and, and, their steak was really good, but it would have been better if I was just in the restaurant and had it fresh. Yeah, of course, of course. But but you're paying the same per entree. Probably, typically, I see the online menus are a little more than the regular menus. 
Um, I don't know if that's, I've heard that in the past. I don't, I haven't actually really looked. But so, well, it depends on if you're ordering directly from the restaurant and doing pickup or if you're doing something like Uber, Uber Eats or Grubhub or whatever. Yeah. So what, when I was working as a bartender, um, we did, we did some sales through Grubhub, which I hated. Um, mm -hmm. And I think I'm pretty sure the way it works is let's say that we had a sushi roll on the menu that was regular price, seven bucks. So what they would do is they would source our menu from us. They would, they would just get a scan or they would like, we had our menu posted online. So they just look and see such and such a roll of seven bucks. And then if you went onto the Grubhub app, they may, they might've charged eight or $9 for it. Um, so whatever their prices were, were completely different from whatever our menu was. And when they would show up, we would just bring them out for whatever the whole price of the stuff was. So we charged them the $7 for the roll. And yeah. then they charged the customer, whatever the customer agreed to pay them. And if they, the customer paid them $9 for the roll and it only cost them seven to buy it from us, then they'd pocket the $2 or maybe it went to the delivery driver. Or I don't know. But yeah. I hated Grubhub because as a bartender, I worked essentially for tips. My, the, the hourly wage that I was paid by the restaurant, almost all that went to covering taxes. Yeah. So if I was doing an order for Grubhub, the drivers aren't allowed to tip. And even if you put a tip on the Grubhub oh, app or whatever, that goes to the driver, yeah. not the restaurant. Yeah, so, the restaurant charges like a $2 delivery, but that probably goes right back to the app as well. Um, no, we didn't, we didn't get anything. If you ran, if you ran, I don't know, five, $7 rolls or whatever, and then your bill will be 35 bucks plus whatever the tax was. Does, it, but, does anybody know if, if you can order alcohol now in New York city or maybe anywhere else on Grubhub? Cause I know formerly you couldn't order alcohol on a seamless or a Grubhub. I don't know if you can in South Carolina. I, I have no idea. I think they've expanded it a little bit, but Probably. yeah, when I was, when I was bartending, this would be like, I would be the one who would have to put together the to-go orders. I'd be the one who had to field the phone calls and everything. And so it would just be time out of my night that I could be either serving customers or getting ahead on, on tickets or even just like striking up conversations to increase my tips and be a better bartender that I'm now spending in the kitchen, assembling a to-go order that I'm making $0 on. Yeah, and it, it's detrimental to the rest of the business. But that's why, you know, if your takeout uh, business is strong enough, you're going to be able to have someone who's handling that specifically, which, you know, really depends on the market. But but I think there's going to be a, a lot of businesses crippled. But that's my back to the fucking speed limits. The speed limits in New York City are 25 in the lows, 30. I know there's some areas, you know, like off the highway, closer to 50. But even where we have some are remaining 30, like the exterior roads or some of the main drags through some of the neighborhoods, I think maybe like Queens Boulevard or something, um, Flatbush, I'm not sure, uh, Riverside Drive. And they're bringing that now also down to 20 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour, which, which is slow, man. 25 miles an hour, even on a residential street is sometimes a little slow. I mean, in, in 30, I think, feels good. And the cool thing about New York City is the lights are timed really, really well. Um, so that if you're doing the right speed limit, you just get green light after green light after green light after green light, um, which um, I don't know how that's going to be effective when you when you adjust down the speed limits. In, in so you can just change the timing. It's easy. But I wonder if, if, if they're so together on that that it's going to happen instantaneously um 
so we get somebody saying they've ordered alcohol. Where have you ordered alcohol? Um, and then uh, we got, uh, let's see, some, some food order salmon, which was, of course, it was overcooked. Um, some South African options, Chilean, Chilean sea bass, steak and lobster. Um, we got red lobster, $70 order at red lobster, um, which seems really high to me for red lobster. But I must have been like a meal for everybody, like a three or four person meal. Now what's what's the, somebody's asking what the best restaurant you've eaten at in New York City is? Have we been to some decent restaurants in New York City? Um, no, not really, because spending hundreds of dollars on a meal isn't really my thing. Where did we go last time you were here? Um, for we didn't we didn't really eat like dine out all that much. We went to the hotel right next to your office, and that was pretty decent, but that wasn't super expensive. Yeah. The Versa Versa Hotel with that with the roof deck, right? Yeah, it was like twenty to thirty bucks for an entree, which for New York is middle of the road to low. Yeah, uh, and then uh, we went to Appetek. Was that lat? Was that when you were here? Yeah, but that was that was drinks. That's not a restaurant. And then we went to um, the Honeywell, which is another cocktail bar. Yeah, they, they've got a, a couple small food items, but that's not their focus. Did I bring you to Burke and Will's, that cocktail bar on the Upper West Side? It's kind of Possibly. easy to a few steps. Uh, I'm, pr I'm pretty yeah. sure we did. I'm pretty sure, sure we did. The place, uh, unfortunately, closed down pre-pandemic. Like, had they lasted another 30, 40 days, they Oh, would... we went to that Korean place that had the really good wings. Korean. In uh, Koreatown? Yeah. I don't remember the name of it. I think Andreas brought us there, but they had like these Korean wings that were just perfectly cooked and just like the perfect mix of sweet and spicy. I mean, Andreas is, is great, especially with the Korean food. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm much more of a restaurant follower. I have my tried and trues, but I don't experiment that much. Uh, you know, I'm happy to follow somebody if they suggest a restaurant. My favorite restaurant in New York City was Peasant. I don't, it's in Nolita, which is just north of Little Italy. I don't think that you and I have been there, but they recently had ownership change. And what's uh, the name of it? Uh, peasant. It's, it's kind of like a rustic Italian place. Really yeah. good service, solid food. They, my favorite dish there is the sea urchin pasta, uh, which is it's uni, which is sea urchin. And it's just it's really, it's almost like I like foie gras a lot. It's effect, in my opinion, it's a foie gras of seafood. I, I, I think it's absolutely incredible. You're talking to someone who refuses to eat any seafood. Well, yeah, I, I, I understand. Somebody just sent a link, which I can't click right now in the world, but I will, click, I will check out the uh, Quarantine Cocktail NYC uh, link in, in just a minute. Thank you for sending that. Um, are you able to get alcoholic drinks with takeout? That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. I don't know if you can order. Uh, I don't know if you, I mean, but that's how restaurants make money. You know, my, my drink bill is always multiples higher than the food bill. Because I'll hang out at a place and, you know, drink costs, I don't know, minimum eight, 10 bucks in the city. And it's just a beer. It's a cocktail. It's closer to 20 probably. Um, and that's oftentimes you know, two drinks is pretty, is equivalent to an entree. So if you stick around for three hours, yeah. 
you have looking at so right. New York City allowed takeout cocktails and wine bottles through June 27th. I'm not sure if they extended it because that's now two months old. But that I I would be surprised if they didn't extend it. So yeah. it looks like you probably can do takeout alcohol, but I'm just, I'm not able to find solid information past June 27th. But what I want to, I'm, I'm just still on the fucking speed limit. We're talking about this because of the speed limit thing. The fact that we're, that we're dropping the speed limits just to me is like somebody just fucking threw a dart at my head. The, the fact that the society is changing or implementing all these stupid laws because everybody has to do the most is. Yeah, but lowering the speed limit doesn't actually make things safer. Um, study after study has shown that regardless of what you set a speed limit on, um, the, the, like, the, the safest speed is called the 85th percentile rule. So you, you can find, find the speed that's about, what, 85% or less of the drivers drive, and that's the safest speed. And you'll see this at pretty much anywhere, where if you're on a highway that's 55, how many people are actually driving 55? Yeah, but that's also, that's when it becomes discretionary what the cops do. And if we're recording everything and we don't allow any police discretion, the cops have to pull you over at 56 miles an hour. This comes to your speed cameras and your red light cameras and, you know. Well, I've, I've read an interesting talk about that where basically with the way that speed limits are, it's kind of a social, like, so it's a social contract that we're all in when it comes to speed limits, where when you've got police that are enforcing the speed limit, we'll, we'll talk about red light cameras in a second. When you have police that are enforcing speed limits, it's kind of a social contract that if you're going the same speed as everybody else and you're not causing problems in traffic, then police aren't going to bother you regardless of the speed that you're going. It's only if you do something stupid or you are sticking out in some way that you're going to get pulled over. And so that's where red light cameras kind of break that social contract where if you're going through a yellow light and a fraction of a second before you make it through the intersection, it turns red. It's going to take a picture of your car and you're going to get a ticket. But what's safer it, to have to slam on the brakes going into a yellow light that just turned red and possibly risk getting rear-ended or losing control of your car or going through an empty intersection because nobody else is there because the light just turned red and the, and the oncoming traffic hasn't even had a chance to move. Yeah. Um, and so it, that, somebody who's estimating from 200 yards out they're estimating that that light's going to turn green by the time they get there. yeah but even then if like if you make it if you're already in the intersection as the light is turning they would have to be moving at a pretty good clip to catch you by the time you make it through the rest of the intersection we're to, we're because you're moving at speed limit or above speed limit split second uh i i have here in uh in texas speed limit 75 i don't know if you're watching live right now if you're watching live it's facebook TikTok, Instagram, what's the fastest you've driven? And uh, I won't tell anybody, I promise. Um, what's the fastest you've driven on a, on a road? If anybody's driven on a track, I'd like to know what the fastest speed, speed you've hit on a track. Uh, fastest I've here, driven on a road is somewhere around 125. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little north of that, um, but I, I don't want to get into too, too many details. But I, I mean, we used to push it going out to Willard Mountain 
We used yeah, to, our, our, on, in the Volvo. Yeah, I think we hit like 120, 125. Maybe I think it was like 122 might have been the yeah. Been a cap it might have been governed, but the, the Volvo people, could pull pretty hard, actually. No, no, well, that Volvo used to really surprise people because it was old. But I think I got it when it was 10, it must have been 11 years old. It was a 90. And I started driving it in 2001, so from 1990, which, which seems pretty old right now. Um, yeah. We got, we got 98, we got 115, um, 105 through Instagram. Uh, we got 160. Uh, all right. Uh, RL, what, what were you driving? Uh, I bet it was a Boxster or the, I think it's RX, RX7. Um, but, but that's fast. That but is 160 fast. is quick. I don't know if a Boxster can hit 160. It's a light car. It's a light car. Um, yeah, but it's, but you've got to have the relatively low horsepower. And when you get to that kind of speed, doesn't matter how light the car is air resistance is killing you so i got 200 kilometers per hour that's what that's about it's about 160 no about 124 125 oh wait is it 60 is 100 basically 62 okay yeah that that always throws me off uh sometimes i hit the um sometimes i I, you can switch between what illuminates the miles per hour and the kilometers per hour uh, on the gauge, but I mean, that's a non-issue for me right now as I don't have a car. Well, you don't need one. I don't need one, but it was, it was nice to have one. Oh, uh, sure. Get, get one of five. Especially the one you had. Yeah. No, and it was good. It was, it was a good car, but, and, and, you know, I got a good deal on it. Um, it's happy to have it, but going into, I didn't know how long we were going to be in lockdown. And my biggest thing was make sure the office is taken care of because, because basically, you know, without, the office is the infrastructure for me to continue to earn. So I want to make sure that money goes towards the office. And, and Yeah, and you got to stay liquid. I mean, I guess, I guess. Plus, I did not have a very good relationship with the garage. Um, I, hate, I hate parking garages in New York City. There's, there's, we got uh, 250 kilometers, 155. I didn't see 250 kilometers over here. Um but yeah, that's uh, back when I had the BMW, I never got it up to like super high speeds, maybe like 115 or 120. But yeah. what I would do, do you remember Frontage Road right near the apartment complex? Frontage Road, is this South Carolina? Yes, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. So I would do, I would, I use Frontage Road as kind of my benchmark for how, how fast a car is. So turning from 61 and going up Frontage Road before it starts to make the bend. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get the BMW up to like 115 or so before oh, the bend. Shit. I remember finding I used to run on that. And, yes. and that was a, it was a bad, it was a good road to run in the sense there wasn't much traffic, but when there was traffic, it was a bad road to run on. I mean, yeah. I, I, I stopped riding that yeah. road um, okay. for those reasons. But yeah, I was able to get the BMW up to like 115 or 120. Wow, that's pretty good for that, for that strip. That, uh, that, that BMW was an amazing car. I miss it. We got, we got 250 kilometers per hour and about, about 155. Um, which is the thing is That's fast. when you're going that fast, you will see a you will see a car on the horizon, which is one and a half seconds later, right here, because you're you're literally go you're coming up on that car as if you're doing sixty miles an hour, or as if you're doing ninety miles an hour, and it was parked. Yep. So 
things move really fast. Also, you have to have good tires for that. Um, yeah, you don't want to blow a tire at 155. I, bl- I blew a tire out in the old 911 at uh, probably about 90 miles an hour. I blew a rear tire out. I was cruising. It was the coldest day of the year. It was about negative 10. Um, this was 2018, maybe? No, this had to be 2017. And negative 10, headed from New York City out to my mom's house. And it was, it was freezing and it was late. I left after work and I was just trying to get out there as quickly as possible. And uh, I blew a tire out at like 90 miles an hour. It was so cold. Uh, I'm waiting in the car for the tow truck to show up and just like ice all over the car. And then we got in the tow truck and he had the heat on. But it kept icing up from the humidity and like our bodies and stuff inside the cabin. And he had he had an ice scraper on the inside of the window just to see outside. Oh. The, the humidity was condensing and freezing on top of the windows in the tow truck. Um, I got I'll I'll see if I in when I throw this on YouTube I'll throw a, a photo of the tire and the the the, the rear tires in the 911 are they're wide they're really wide and I'm holding the tire up and it's just fucking shredded. Um, the wheel was probably screwed over too, right? The wheel, oh shit, I don't remember if I, uh, if I had to get a new one or not. Um, I would imagine a tire blowing up at 90 miles an hour, you're going to be damaging the wheel. Yeah, but they're, I mean, it's, it's, the tires I had in that were pretty good. Um, anybody who's ever had a blowout knows how, how fucking scary that is. And at 90 miles an hour, luckily it was a very stable car and you know for what i got i think i got lucky i don't know how the rear engine versus the front engine when it comes to more weight over the rear yeah so i you know i don't actually know how that way that that it's effect on on braking when you're on metal to the asphalt mm, it's i don't know yeah i had a tire blow out on me just last week but it was only at like 25 or 30 miles an hour i could feel it coming yeah then uh-huh. that wasn't fun what you do? You you have you have a spare in the car? No. Uh, well, I did, but it was one of those. It was like one of those tiny little spares that I didn't trust at all. And since I have AAA, I said, you know what? AAA, you're good. You got it. it like, I'd rather just wait the hour for a tow truck to show up because that's what's going to need to happen regardless. If I put the spare on, that's really just getting a tow truck with extra steps. Did I did I ever tell you about the about cracking the wheel on the Cayenne? No. Never told you a story. So <clears throat> we were in DR and I was cruising, cruising the Cayenne and uh, there's a big bump in the road and all of a sudden the tire just boom and I get out of the car, pull the, pull the wheel off the car, which was tough because there's a lock nut and I did not realize that for about 20 minutes. I just couldn't, couldn't figure it out. It was dark. It was late at night. And when we pulled it off, the actual wheel had cracked all the way around. It hit so goddamn hard. This is a big pothole or something? It was just a big hole in the road. And I'll, I'll throw a picture of that. I'll text you, text you a picture of that because it's wild. And it went all the way around, almost like teeth. And they re-welded it. And I drove like that for a while. And it happened again, but not to that wheel. To, uh, to, I think it was to a, a, a front one. So the roads in DR are just absolute shit. Yeah. If anyone's driven in the Dominican Republic, it is not, the roads are not that great. Um, although driving to Manhattan can be fucking bad, man. They're, 
the, the amount of construction that they do, and then you have some erosion or you have these fucking giant trucks. There are trucks, I, I can't sleep with the windows open. I've been trying to because it's been nice out lately. But you'll just hear something that, uh, it's, it feels like it registers in the fucking Richter scale. You'll hear a truck hit like a, uh, like a big pothole or something. It's just like, boom, the window panes shake. Like, it's fucking wild. Um, so, I mean, we have some major potholes. But yeah, I mean, when you can hear the trucks, it's, it's really, uh, <laughs> uh, Lisa here, it's just that she loves it. I whipped out the, the, the car prop. Not a car prop, really. It's just to remind me that I don't have this anymore. It's really sad for me. Um, well, we gotta go to the DR together sometime. I, you know, I just want to go anywhere. I'm I'm so sick of just being stuck in the city. There's nothing to do. You can't really hang out. Um, but yeah, you can't really travel anywhere right now. Anyways, all the country, all the countries have their borders closed to us. True, true, exactly. Except I think Mexico. You can travel to Mexico. No, Mexico and Canada both have their borders shut to us. I heard. No, I just had a guy that went to went to Mexico last week. He just got back. Really, I thought yeah. that Mexico closed their border to us too. I think Mexico and somewhere in like the Mediterranean is is open. I saw a map and there was just two places that were. Open. Oh, like I thought that pretty much the entire EU was was closed yeah, to us. I, yeah. Um, but 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 DR is a is a cool place because it's not I feel like it's probably not like a number one vacation spot like it's it's kind of off the map for a lot of people they'll go to uh, Jamaica um, the what are, what are some of the other islands down there um, well the people- Jamaica and Puerto Rico are probably the two biggest and then any of the um, crap why can't any of the Virgin Islands the, yeah like any of the u.s virgin islands or the british virgin islands the dutch yeah. virgin islands like I, I don't know all the names of them um trinidad is another one but that's not a huge de- destination it's really J- jamaica for the resorts although there are like kind of self-contained resorts in the dr as well yeah yeah um but uh what do you say uh dr is also cheap um the food is phenomenal Jamaica. I had a good, I had a good experience in Jamaica. I got a nice tour of, um, I got a nice tour of the of the island. Um, I went down there, and the person visiting was related to somebody who owns a nationwide sporting goods store. And they took us basically just checking in with some of the stores. Took us all around the island, um, and we went into a couple of malls and checked out some of the the sporting goods stores. That's cool. Um, it was really cool. Jamaican food is is insane. I, you know, I really like Jamaican food, um, but that was a cool time. You know, I, I haven't traveled to too too many of the Caribbean area islands. Have you been to Puerto Rico? I have been to Puerto Rico briefly on an extended layover, um, which is cool. Puerto Rico is cool. I know a lot of Puerto Rican people in New York City. I feel like that's a cool thing about being in New York City. There's more people in Puerto in yeah. New York City than there are in Puerto Rico. The more Puerto Ricans in New York City than in Puerto Rico. Yeah, no, that, that's that's true about that about that country. Um, so I have to refresh my drink real quick. So if you're watching on live, hang tight. I'm just running the mini fridge right off camera. You know, give me something to spitball to keep the uh, the people well, entertained. With that, I told you about that call I got with the sexual harassment, right? I, I, did I explain that to you? Did I tell you about the call? No. What happened? You you got a call about sexual harassment? No, I got a. So this is crazy. This is crazy. I got a phone call last week. I, I don't want to, it's, it's, it's not something I want to go 
too much into detail on just yet because it's, oh, it's the uh, former agent or whatever that's yeah, being accused. I'll, 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 I'll explain just so you because I probably shared a little more with you than I should probably share uh, on air. But I got a phone call and they didn't identify themselves at first. And they said there's an agent that's part of the organization that needs to be fired because many years ago they sexually harassed someone and they wouldn't give me any of the details of sexual harassment. Um, I'm sure they told you the name of the agent. Oh, yes. They accused somebody and demanded that they be fired or I be brought down with them. So I don't have anything to base it on other than somebody potentially having done something in the past. I don't feel necessarily that that's fair. Have you talked to the agent? And I was threatened to, well, you know, we're going to have a discussion on the Thursday episode of Skip Talk um, about kind of how to handle these situations. We have a pending sexual harassment training that we're signing up for as, as, or I think it's a federal, it could be federal, but any, any independent, any employee or independent contractor that works for you more than 80 hours, you have to give them sexual harassment training. And I find that very weird because what if you have a groundskeeper that comes and cuts your lawn or does something around that, uh, you know, around your property for uh, two hours a week or an hour and a half a week and, and then comes in for some additional, um, you know, additional work. But 80 hours is not that much. Somebody comes an hour a week. 80 right? hours a year? 80 hours, yeah, I'm sorry, 80 hours a year, um, I think is a very, I mean, that's somebody who's pretty irregular, but that could be your landscapers. Yeah, you're going to, I don't know what the liability would be if you have, if you have a landscaper that you're hiring as an independent contractor or whatever to, to, to cut the grass and whatever. Mm-hmm. And if they do something, I'm not really sure that you're going to be able to pin it back on the business. You can basically just say, hey, you can go ahead and sue the contractor for whatever they did. And here's his contact information. Best of luck in court. Yeah, yeah. But, but, um, but that's where I want to dig into and, and and if you're watching this i would love for you guys to rejoin us thursday at 6 30 because i really love some feedback on this is i i where do you draw this line well, i have an un, unsubstantiated claim it was from the past it none of the information was shared with me and i was told that i would be brought into the news if i didn't fire someone which well had, know, first of all you can't you can't just go off of one person's threats i think you need to you need to bring the agent into the discussion and say, hey, so-and-so, I got this call from someone who wouldn't identify themselves, and this is what they said about you. It, well, I, can you I, please I, tell I, me what the background is? Can you give me a little bit of information to go on here? Because I want to be on your side here, but the first thing I need to do is get you to tell me the full and true story of what happened. But that person may not know, That's and that's where we have these – unsubstantiated right but at least you give them a chance to one be aware that something like this exists out there and two a chance for them to tell their side of the story so that way if anything comes back on you you can say i spoke with the agent and the agent told me this yeah and say I, i did my due diligence i researched the claim to the best of my ability and without further proof being offered by the accusing party I didn't feel that there was any further discipline or action necessary on my part because I don't think that it would be fair for me to fire an agent 
without evidence and the agent told me a story that I found to be plausible. Yeah. Well, I, I'll dig into it a little, a little bit more, but, um, but yeah, uh, I am in touch with an attorney on this matter and you know, I'm just, obviously this is with very little information. And there's, well, and if this, if this person, male or female, that's making the accusation is going to try and slander your business, then they, you, you could have a counterclaim against them if what they're doing, if they're making something up, if they don't have an actual basis for this accusation, then you're going to be able to counterclaim against them because it's, then it falls under libel laws or slander laws, where the only defense for slander laws is truth. So if they're telling the truth, then sure. But if you're investigating and you know what the truth is and there's no basis to it, then if they're trying to drag your business down or whatever, then you'll have a pretty easy case in court so, saying they're so making stuff up. I, I got Coco Graham here. Um, how do you get evidence on that? Many times there is not evidence. Um, Coco Graham, Nicole, I was going to ask her to come on actually and discuss this. She has a podcast where they're talking about this also on her podcast, her and her husband. Uh, apparently there's some, uh, she has some history. I, I don't, I, I just kind of catch the, the headlines on it. Uh, but she has some history where there's sexual harassment, sexual abuse, something like that involved. Um, Nicole, if you're watching and you want to uh, send me a, a message off of here, uh, I, I'd love to bring you on here. If, if, you're, if you're here now, I'll throw you the, uh, the Zoom link and you can, you can join us on Zoom. Um, hopefully you, you still have my number. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this just, when there is no proof and it's unsubstantiated, um, that's where I think gets really, really dice. When you have witnesses and you have other people involved and it's blatant, you know, I think that's, my thinking is just that you have these nincompoops who have zero social skills, don't realize they're making somebody feel uncomfortable. Nicole, do you have my, my, uh, my cell phone number? You have these people who don't have social skills and um, they just do shit that they don't realize is wrong and it makes somebody uncomfortable. But then again, um, when you, when you, but people are so easily offended these days. That's the other part. People have no tolerance. Well, you can look at it. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> um, I think there are certainly situations where maybe somebody's acting inappropriately and are just not aware of it. And they didn't mean to, to be coming off in the way that they did. And a lot of times that's one where if you just pull them aside and say, Hey, this was out of line and here's why, then that usually fixes the problem. Yes. Yeah. But you, but it could be past the point of no return. It could be past, you know, now someone's been offended. Um, I watch just, just in just looking online, I watch some videos where, you know, they're telling people where you can touch your colleagues, where you can't touch your colleagues. <laughs> and then I'm just like, you know, at this point, the blanket advice should just be don't touch your colleagues. Well, that's just a good rule in general is don't touch people because uh, I mean, just don't touch other people. Well, now you shouldn't touch anybody at all because God forbid you shake somebody's hand with coronavirus, you could be killing their grandparents. Well, 
in all fairness, their grandparents deserved it. I don't see where you're going with that. That <laughs> before you um, had like an insensitive prick. Yes, that's that's the point. Um, but no, even before the coronavirus or whatever, like with the except, like handshakes and kind of like the 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 stuff that's expected to happen in business. So really, just handshakes, I think. But outside of that, like. Patting, even patting somebody on the back or, or, or a hug or something like that, yeah. why take the risk? Some people are comfortable with it. Other people aren't. So, like, why just don't touch people outside of a handshake because what what's there to gain? Sure. We have we have Nicole. I think she's going to jump on right now. I'm That's great. Real, I'm a real estate agent um, for whoever just asked that. I, uh, I, lost, I lost the message. I'm a real estate agent. I run a real estate brokerage with over a hundred agents. And um, obviously I deal with bullshit stuff all day. Like my job isn't, isn't selling and renting apartments anymore. It's, it's just cleaning up like bullshit all the time and reordering paper in an emergency and paying a premium because somebody used the last ring of paper and the last box of paper and hit it under with an empty box that somebody had staged to look like a full box of paper hidden on top of a shelf. So rather than throw away an empty box of, of paper, a big box of paper, they, they took the empty box of paper and set it on top of a filing cabinet, like in a storage. Why would you take a fucking piece of garbage and put it on top of a, on top of a fucking filing cabinet? Do you know who did it? I don't know. It, it was in the fucking storage closet. So I didn't, I don't have a camera that actually, there's nothing valuable in there. Yeah, no, I was just thinking like anchor. outside of an April Fool's joke, why would you do that? It's one of the most retarded things I've ever seen. I deal with so much retardism on a regular basis. Like that's my job is just like circus manager. Yeah. Sometimes I see so much shit. Um, uh, you know, we had, I think it was last summer, maybe it was 2018, actually, I don't know. We had a guy that, and I mean, I, we're pretty liberal when it comes to drinking in the office. Like, I don't mind if somebody has a drink with their lunch or goes out and has a couple of drinks. Somebody's drunk, I'm going to ask them to leave, and we've done that before. Um, because, again, we're dealing with independent contractors. Uh, but I had a guy drinking a beer in a coffee mug in a lease signing. So, uh, with Nicole on the line, she's in the waiting room. I'm going to bring Nicole in. Yeah, let's bring her in. I'll let her introduce herself because I know she's got to uh, hopefully allow her. All right, I'm going to stop you right there. Nicole's about to join us, and that'll be on episode 34, a SIP talk. Check that out. It's being published simultaneously. So, if you're listening to me now or you're watching me now, you can go right on to episode 34 should you choose to. Thank you for watching. As always, appreciate you being here.